Life gets up, you gotta fight. My homegirl standing to my left and my right, true blue and tight like glue. We are living single. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What is up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Sup Media Reviews. I'm Kiara, and you do not know how excited I am to review the 1993 to 1998 television series, Living Single. This show features Queen Latifah as Khadijah James, Erica Alexander as Maxine Max Felice Shaw, Kim Coles as Sinclair James, Kim Fields as Regine Hunter, John Hinton as Overton Obi Wakefield Jones, and T.C. Carson as Kyle Barker. Living Single is literally one of my favorite shows from the 90s, and it showed young Black professionals on their tomes in their own light. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of this review, here are a few fun facts. Rita Owens, who plays Khadijah's mother, is the real-life mother of Queen Latifah. As well, Chip Fields, who plays Regine's mother, is the real-life mother of Kim Fields. In the fifth season, episode Three Men and a Buckeye, Khadijah mentions that Regine's mom is worse than Penny's mom on Good Times from 1974. Chip Fields plays Regine's mom and Penny's mom. It's a well-known fact. If you're a true fan of Living Single, you probably know that one already. The second fun fact is that the set used on the first episode of Living Single was the same set used on Family Matters. I knew that set looked familiar and I was just a little bit doubtful that it was the Family Matters set. But that first episode was a banger. If you have never watched Living Single, watch the first episode. It'll give you everything that you need to know. And this third fun fact, series creator Yvette Lee Bowser loosely based the six main characters on the main characters from A Different World, which came out in 1987, a show that she helped to produce. Many cast members of A Different World appeared on the show. We had Bumper Robinson as Khadijah's bike messenger, Jasmine Guy as a psychologist, Kadeem Hardison as Khadijah's romantic interest and journalistic rival, Daryl Bell as Regine's romantic love interest, 
Cree Summer as Overton's romantic interest, Charnel Brown as Khadijah and Max's college friend, Lou Myers as Khadijah's grandmother's boyfriend, and Karen Melina White as Max's college roommate. So there's a lot of overlap between these two shows. But if you want to check out Living Single, you can watch it on Max or Hulu as of the recording of this episode. Now this is the part where I talk about my personal connection. I love shows that depict Black people in a real way, and Living Single absolutely does that for me. The show explores topics like being a struggling entrepreneur, racism in corporate America, dating, sex, and most of all, navigating co-ed friendships. When you watch the show, you can actually feel the love that the cast has for each other. They come across as having real chemistry, and it literally feels like looking into someone's home and watching them love on each other and fight with each other and make jokes at each other's expense. It just comes across as really authentic to me. Now, I mostly identified with Khadijah's character. In my own friend group, I feel like we kind of had the same role. She was kind of like the glue, even with her flaws. So I want to say that if I was ever an entertainer, I would want Queen Latifah's career, okay? (laughs) She started off as a rapper, transitioned into TV and movies, and she's doing a ton of things now. She's had a fantastic career. Even though I feel like the quality of her acting has only slightly improved over the years, if you all watch her on Equalizer, sometimes her acting is not like where I think it should be after being like an acting veteran for like 30 years now. However, doesn't change the fact that she is a legend in her own right, okay? This show, actually was the predecessor and blueprint for the show Friends. And in solidarity for Black television, I have never watched Friends. (laughs) Like, I do not want to see a whitewashed version of Living Single that somehow manages to remain overwhelmingly white, even though it's set in one of the most diverse cities in America. So I have firmly took a stand that I will not watch Friends. And that's that for me, okay? But this show is wonderful. It's amazing. And I'm super excited to dive into it. First, I'm going to do a quick overview of the show and the main characters. And then we're going to do a deep dive into two of my favorite or the most iconic episodes. Living Single is a show about a friend group of four women and two men living in a Brooklyn brownstone in a 90s kind of world. We get to see these characters navigate their friendships, romantic and familial relationships, and their careers. Let's take the characters one by one. There's Khadijah James, who's played by Queen Latifah. She is the owner, editor, and publisher of Flavor, a fledgling urban magazine that focuses on Black culture. She is the cousin and employer of Sinclair for most of the show, and is kind of like the leader of the friend group. She's strong, funny, and can be overbearing sometimes, but she has a level head and a coolness about her that makes her relatable and aspirational. Next up, we have Sinclair James, played by Kim Coles. She's a secretary at Flavor Magazine and later an expiring actress whose naivete makes her a consistent project and source of hilarity in the group. She eventually develops a relationship and marries Overton. Her innocence and lack of common sense make her an idealist and set her apart from the rest of the group. Next, we have Regine Hunter, who is played by Kim Fields. She's had a number of careers. I think she switched jobs the most throughout this show. She was a buyer for a boutique. She was a costumer for a soap opera. And eventually she went on to be like a wedding and event planner whose extreme vanity is only rivaled by her need for a man with money. Regine and Khadijah are childhood friends. Their mothers are friends. And this fashionable and bougie queen is an excellent cook, a gossip, 
and surprisingly offers wisdom in a logical way on occasion. Maxine Shaw played by Erica Alexander, is an attorney at law and later a local alder woman who is a hungry mooch that lives across the street from the other ladies. She met Khadija in college and her quick wit, feminist sentiments, and love-hate relationship with Regine and Kyle make her a hilarious addition to the crew and one of my favorites. She also reluctantly develops a relationship with Kyle Barker. (laughs) Next up, we have Overton Obi Wakefield Jones, played by John Hinton. Um, he is the brownstone handyman whose simplistic view on life makes him a wise man and an excellent fixer of things. He's hilarious and often lightens the mood with his adages and stories from his hometown of Cleveland. His infatuation with Sinclair turns into a loving relationship and marriage that we all root for, however strange it is. <laughs> he is a longtime friend of Kyle Barker. And finally, we have Kyle Barker, played by T.C. Carson. He's a stockbroker with impeccable fashion sense and a super inflated ego who straddles this line between having sophisticated tastes and being a ham. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) He's a drama king. He's a decent singer. And he's kind of easily embarrassed if he's not able to live up to his own kind of idea of himself. His disdain for Max turns into true love later on in the series. Now there are a number of recurring cast members on Living Single as well, but the one that comes to mind the most is Russell Montego. He's played by Sean Baker and he is a Jamaican-born music editor at Flavor and he's basically in love with Regine. He is very Pepe Le Pew to me. (laughs) He comes across as a creep He always makes sexual advances at Regine, and I'm very happy that they don't end up together, despite Russell being very handsome. He's very handsome to me. But yeah, he got that Pippi Le Pew energy, and we don't need that in our lives. Overall, the kind of main conflict of living single is that this show is really about how these friends navigate their lives, careers, and relationships through good, bad, and crazy times. There are themes that come up like being interested in the same significant other, financial issues, job loss, sexism, respectability politics, and more. There are tons of other recurring characters that I won't bring up except for Scooter. Y'all, Scooter is <laughs> is Khadijah's childhood friend and love interest in this show. Y'all, that man is so handsome to me. <laughs> okay. But there are also lots of celebrity guests who made cameos on the show as well. Even homeboy, is it Dean? Dean Kane, the guy who plays Superman, was in an episode too. Like, they had some real celebrities over here, y'all, but. We're going to dive into two episodes that I love and that I think demonstrate the overall spirit of the show. It's really hard to narrow it down to just two, but we're about to do it. So first up, we're going to discuss season one, episode six, entitled Great Expectations. Now, this is only the sixth episode of the entire series, but it is absolutely one of my faves as it does a great job to demonstrate the personalities of each and every main character of the show while showing a hilarious depiction of a night out on the town with your friends. So let's get into it. Now, the cold open of the show has Sinclair watching a soap opera and it enveloping the other women and her until like an Oprah Winfrey announcement comes on to say that Oprah's show that day is going to be about women who waste their lives watching television. The cold opens for uh, this show are typically pretty good. 
But when the episode actually officially begins, Khadijah Sinclair and Max are eating Chinese takeout, trying to figure out what they're going to watch on TV, actually. So Khadijah interrupts everything and is expressing that we do the same thing every Saturday. Like Sinclair asks the same stupid questions. Max has her head in the TV guide. And at this point, I was like, I'm actually old enough to remember TV guides. So back in the day before smart TVs and like cable was more advanced, a weekly booklet was published and sent to homes that listed the TV shows and movies that would be airing and what time they would come on. So I remember reading through them as a young child, like at my great grandparents' house. Times have changed so much where like you can just turn on your TV and see what's coming on next. You all, young people are so privileged. Times have like really, really changed. But we get back to the episode and Khadijah is like, I want to go out. I want to meet some men. I want to Mac, which is a 90s term for flirting or making sexual advances with someone. So right at the point that they talk about men, Overton and Kyle show up to join them for the normal Saturday night festivities of eating Chinese food and watching TV. But Khadijah in her leadership role, you know, of the friend group says, that's not happening tonight. We going out tonight. So they go through a list of options of like, where can we go? And some of these kind of normal friend dynamics start to occur. For instance, like when a jazz club is offered as an option, Max says that she can't stand the saxophone because it sounds like a man begging, to which Kyle retorts, like you'd know. So there's that kind of sexual and and enemy frenemy tension between Kyle and Max. And then when Kyle starts to spew off some misogynistic BS, he loses his food privileges and Overton kind of applauds Kyle's guts. So watching this group interact hardly feels scripted to me. Next up, Regine comes in from a wig sale and she says that she has the hookup at a local club called Club Xena that she can get them into. Max is kind of reluctant because when she goes to clubs, she's always approached by a specific type of man with a gold tooth, a beard and the same tired line. Girl, I like to put you on a plate and sop you up with a biscuit. (laughs) Now, that's a very Black thing to say. (laughs) But Overton outs Kyle as having used that line himself, which is hilarious. But at the end of the scene, with limited capacity for Regine's invitation, the four ladies all finally decide to go out to Club Zena together and they exclude the guys who basically say, we have enough pool, we have enough juice to get into the club without the ladies. Now, Overton makes a joke that he has more pull than the elastic on a fat lady's drawers. And this is part of his personality too. He has these weird sayings. Even though he's from Cleveland, he comes across as very kind of country, with a lot of adages and stories and things like that. It's a staple of his personality. And one of the things that I actually really love about this show is that the actors actually laugh when the other actors make jokes. This helps make the scene feel more realistic than some sitcoms that seem to ignore like the hilarious lines of the other actors sometime. I hope that makes sense to you all. I feel like when I watch other sitcoms and there's something funny happening, it's pretty rare to see other actors genuinely laughing at how funny something is. So this kind of ups the ante on authenticity for me. 
And the next scene, they're getting ready to go out to the club, right? The ladies are in the restroom getting ready to go out. They're chatting. And this feels kind of true to life to me. Regine and Kyle, as the most vain and fashionable members of the friend group, are, of course, taking the most time to get ready. Kyle and Overton are in their apartment. And Kyle looks in the mirror. And this is one of my favorite things that he does throughout the whole series. And he's singing, I am everything and everything is me. (laughs) Really punching up this idea that he's vain and it's freaking hilarious. But I always knew that Kyle was really high maintenance, but until I watched this scene for this review, I'd never thought of him as metrosexual. It's very metrosexual. So that is like a key component of his personality as well. So we flip back to the ladies who are excited and they're talking about how they had aliases for the club. I don't know if women do that today, but it's a very good idea, I think. <laughs> ladies, if you are out clubbing, doing that type of thing, having an alias is probably not a bad idea, okay? There are people who have aliases for Starbucks. You might as well use it for the club too, okay? But for Khadijah, her alias is Alexis. For Max, hers was Dominique. And... <laughs> And and Sinclair said that hers was going to be Shaquan. So the ladies are hanging out and they're like, we look good. And so the ladies start singing Brick House together. And it is hilarious to me. They're just in the bathroom using brushes or whatever it is that they have to sing together. And it's really cute. And it, again, comes across as very real. So next up. We're at Club Xena, okay? The ladies show up an hour after Colin Overton just to see that the guys are still outside the club. They can't even get in. So the ladies get in right away because Regine has connections with the bouncer and Kyle is particularly butthurt that he does not, in fact, have more juice than Minute Maid. Real quick, I want to say that all the ladies look very club appropriate, kind of except for Khadijah. She's wearing black jeans and a purple blouse. It's very very fitting to her personality and she looks good in it, but it doesn't come across to me as like part of like the club vibe or normal club attire. I actually really appreciate and applaud her for doing her own thing and not feeling like she had to like get dressed up for the club in that way. But the other three ladies kind of fit the mold of club wear. Max has this really, it looks really good on her. It's an off-the-shoulder black dress that is kind of form-fitting. Regine is wearing a long-sleeve red dress that has this pentagonal keyhole. And she spends the rest of the night at the club trying to get rid of the other patrons who are wearing the exact same dress. I want to say there are at least two or three other women (laughs) who are wearing this dress. Towards the end of the night, Regine does get her just desserts as her own dress ends up being ruined as well. So there we go. That's showing the kind of like vanity or yearning for the spotlight that regime basically always has. So Overton and Kyle spend quite a bit of time trying to even get into the club and then they finally do so after sneaking in the back door. Kyle spends the night being rejected by women or being hunted by the bouncer. But after playing wingman to Kyle, Overton dances and flirts with Sinclair in this very weird and quirky way as only they can. A beeper toting Goldtooth suitor named Goldie, played by Miguel Nunez, harasses a reluctant Max, aka Shaquan, (laughs) all night. I thought it was very funny that Sinclair was mad at Max for stealing her alias. (laughs) And finally... 
Khadijah spends the night rejecting unsuitable men and she plans to leave until she gets introduced to a very cute DJ who lets her take the mic and sing, I will survive. And that's when the party kind of turns up in the club. It's very interesting. I have never been a club goer, never. So I can't really tell you what happens there. But let alone going to the club in the 90s, I would have been like three years old. So I, I have no frame of reference, but it looked like a good time. Okay. So I've summarized the night for the sake of time so I can point out some of my favorite kind of dynamics that come up during this club scene. This episode kind of highlights the puppy love between Overton and Sinclair who are still figuring out their way around each other, the vanity of Kyle and Regine, the kind of hamminess of Kyle as well. Like even though he comes across as very sophisticated, he has a great career and there are still elements of him that make him like a ham. Like (laughs) I feel like I'm having a hard time of describing that quality. We learn more about like the many unwanted and adversarial relationships that Max has that, you know, she has issues with Regine, with Kyle, with the type of men who approach her in clubs. Uh, We also have the high standards of Khadijah of, you know, the way she just is rejecting every man and how she is, you know, is very adamant about going out in the first place. And then when she gets there, she doesn't want to be there anymore. We get to see the tension between Max and Kyle, as well as Max and Regine. We also get a cameo from Terry J. Vaughn, who you may know as LaVita from the Steve Harvey show. Uh, We get a peek into club life in the 90s, including a few dances like the Cabbage patch and the snake and we get to see this friend group interact and have a good or bad time together and it'd be okay and they're all good at the end of the night it reminds me a lot of my own friend group from college in fact my husband and I met inside the same friend group in college So yeah, so later the ladies return to the brownstone singing I Will Survive and Regine really is the only one mad about her $200 dress being ruined. $200 for a dress in 1993 is freaking crazy. I wouldn't spend $200 on a dress today. Just personally, I'm not rich. I'm not impoverished, but I cannot imagine myself purchasing a $200 dress unless it was for like a special occasion. Like if I was a bridesmaid or something like that. That's crazy, y'all. But the ladies end up reprimanding Khadijah for giving the DJ her number instead of her getting his number. Now, I actually agree with this pro tip. It turns out that Max gave Goldie Kyle's number. And then right then, Kyle walks in with Goldie on the phone asking for Shaquan. But instead, Khadijah picks up the phone and says, this is Shaquan's sister, Sabuda. (laughs) I don't know why that line is so funny to me. There's no one named Sabuda. It's just so funny the way she said it. Like, and the ladies are laughing. They're having a good time. It's really silly, but it just comes across as like this authentic way of interacting and having a good time with each other. So at the end of this episode, the show always had or almost always have these kind of closing scenes. I would describe them as like the opposite of a cold open. I don't know what the opposite of a cold open is, but the scene is of Khadijah waiting by the phone for Ty, the DJ, to call her. And the phone ends up ringing right as she leaves the house because she's really frustrated that he hasn't called yet. But I love this episode. It's really jam-packed with more information on who these people are, especially in relation to each other. It's funny, it's relatable, and it feels realistic. But let's go ahead and jump into this next episode. 
So typically when I do TV show reviews, I try to spread out the episode to show the show's kind of evolution over time. And when I was doing research to see what other people thought the best episodes of this show were, a lot of them were from season one. So I would encourage you if you have never seen this show before, season one is going to get you hooked and it's going to keep you there for a minute. So be sure to check it out. But anyways, after doing kind of my own research, I found four episodes from later seasons that I really liked. And it was actually very hard for me to narrow it down to the one I ended up choosing. So for the final episode we're discussing today, I'm going to be reviewing season four, episode 24, entitled Never Can't Say Goodbye. This is the final episode of season four. And I think the episode is memorable and does a great job looking backwards and forwards in the living single timeline. So let's do this. Now, the episode opens with what looks like an engagement party or shower for Overton and Sinclair, who will be getting married in 24 hours. By this time, they have been engaged for a little while. They've been together for about three-ish years, two and a half to three years, and they are ready to take the next step in their relationship. Max has decided that as her wedding gift, she's going to use a camcorder to record the special moments of the days leading up to the wedding, however invasive she comes across. Regine is the wedding planner and Khadijah is the maid of honor. So in this next scene, Overton is with Kyle, his uncle Tibby, played by J. Anthony Brown, who you might know from Drumline, and his father-in-law to be, and they're all playing cards. So <laughs> Kyle is there as well. It kind of seems like a low key bachelor party with only four people hanging out. The two older men talk about how something always goes wrong at weddings. And I will say stuff definitely went wrong at my wedding. My husband and I got married about two years ago and there were off the top of my head, like three or four things that, that went wrong. It ended up still being wonderful and great and okay, but yeah, stuff went wrong, y'all. <laughs> That's just what happens when you have people. <laughs> people make mistakes, things get messed up, and it's totally okay. But this chat with these older men who are already married actually kind of freaks Overton out a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But when the two older guys leave and Colin Overton are the only ones left, they start to talk about their very different relationships. Overton and Sinclair have found an apartment in the same building as, you know, the brownstone that they're in. And their relationship is really making Kyle think about how Max is unwilling to take a relationship with him seriously. Overton points out that Kyle still kind of returns to Max despite this behavior. And we find out that Kyle actually has a job offer in London and hasn't told Max about it because he doesn't think that she would care anyway. But we flip the scene over to the ladies who are hanging out in Sinclair's room in their PJs. This comes across as a informal, very small kind of bachelorette party. Regine is getting drunk because she's not the first person to get married. She is very kind of down on herself about that and is like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not married by now, basically? Max goes on a small tirade about marriage being for fools and men basically being useless. And her attitude towards traditional relationships is like really lax and very negative. But somehow I feel like her attitude about relationships kind of worsens over time. And at the beginning of the show, she talked about being a divorce lawyer and like trying to make sure that female clients got as much as they could out of their, you know, ex-husbands. And she always had some type of negative outlook or aspect on marriage. 
But something about the way she talks about it here is actually really more harsh, I think. I don't know why. It could be all in my head, but something about the way she talks about it in this particular scene comes across really, really harsh. I mean, she's always been fiercely independent and a feminist, but like I said, it seems harsher. But Regine ends up leaving and Max gets ready to leave to go see Kyle. She tries to do it under the guise of going to get more beer, but both Sinclair and Khadijah know that Max is kind of going off to do a sneaky link with, <laughs> with Kyle. So they had broken up earlier in the series and kind of started back up kind of secretly. And over time, more and more of the friend group kind of finds out that her and Kyle are still kind of sneaking around with each other. Max has really been trying to play off still connecting with Kyle and she's been really reluctant to admit her feelings for him but everyone else basically knows already except for Regine. Now Max meets Kyle on the fire escape where she's eager to like get busy and have sex but Kyle totally kills the mood by announcing that he has a big job opportunity in London. Max kind of makes a joke but ultimately says that she has a job opportunity in Philadelphia too. Instead of actually taking in and responding to the news, Max resorts to competing with Kyle and Kyle knows what's up and he's kind of over it. He's really annoyed and he's asking if their relationship is more than sexual. And this girl says, our relationship is occasionally punctuated by boring exchanges like this. Max, read the room, girl. <laughs> Kyle is actually asking you what you think and considering you in his career and life decisions. And she's really not giving that enough gravity, okay? It's almost cruel. And she basically wishes him luck in London. And it's coming across as if like, I don't care if you leave my life forever, if you move to another continent. And this is why I'm saying it comes across way more cruel than usual. She just comes across as like really insensitive. But it's the next day, the day of the wedding, and Max and Kyle have a brief interaction where Max is clearly butthurt that Kyle is leaving. But Kyle, however, seems okay. I think he's just kind of gotten used to this kind of response from Max. So Max and Khadijah talk and Max claims to be too evolved for traditional relationships. Khadijah hopes that Max doesn't end up alone. And I'm just now realizing that the arc of Max and her character, and I don't know if I really like it. I mean, in society, we punish women for being more career driven and sexually liberated. And in this show, Max is coming across in this moment as cruel and mean and expressing her desire to have casual relationships. And then she eventually establishes a real relationship with Kyle and it's coming across as kind of like the taming of a shrew and I feel like this kind of storyline is kind of straddling the line for me it's kind of saying like don't be too fierce or too independent or no man will want you and it's like is the message that she will have to give up part of her beliefs to be happy or is the show saying that Max can be who she is within a relationship it comes across as the former to me but no one in the show is really giving any credence to the fact that Max would have to give up her career and her life to make an international move. The show really is so focused on Max having a man and changing how she feels about the way she wants to interact with Kyle or kind of denying these feelings that it doesn't really consider the actual logistics of what it would mean to be with Kyle in London. 
I don't think I like this. This may be like one of my only gripes with this show. So in the next scene, we're at the church. Overton is getting ready and we find out that he hasn't eaten anything in 24 hours. He was literally so scared by what the older men told him that he was too afraid to mess up his big day and he ends up passing out. Next, we see Sinclair and Khadijah getting ready. And Khadijah is like actually really sad about how their relationship is going to change now that Sinclair is getting married. It's actually a very tender and sweet moment. And remember, they are not just friends. They are cousins. So they are also employee and boss (laughs) and also roommates. So their lives are pretty entangled with each other. And so Sinclair getting married, Khadijah could be experiencing it as a loss. So that was actually like really sweet. Sinclair's wedding dress is actually really lovely. I really liked it. i feel surprised by that considering how this particular episode I think came out in 97 and how many years ago that was like I would low-key wear that dress (laughs) today not the veil I think the veil makes it look very dated but outside of that her dress was very beautiful to me But we flip back over to Overton, who's eating communion wafers to get his strength back. So he's just really super nervous about his wedding. But the big takeaway is that Overton tells Kyle, Max is your destiny. Okay, y'all can try to fight it or whatever, but you and Max basically belong together. So next up, we see Russell and Regine, who of course always have sexual tension, but Russell has brought a date to the wedding. And so Regine is kind of low-key sad because Russell moved on. And as much as we kind of wanted them to be together, again, his peppy Le Pew energy makes me feel like he should not be with anyone, basically. <laughs> it's just He just comes across as like a creep, but because he's handsome and Jamaican and like, I think some of those things kind of excuse the behavior. But to me, it really is very quite inappropriate. But then as Regine is kind of stewing in her sadness, Max comes to kind of rub it in and lets her know about Max's secret tryst with Kyle and that everyone in the friend group knew about it except for Regine. And as a gossip, Regine is devastated to be the last to know. Next up, we see Max and Kyle talking privately and Kyle says, you know, I've enjoyed being with you over these past few months. I'm going to take the job in London. And right as he's walking away, Max tells him that she loves him and Khadijah, who's within earshot, are in shock. They are dumbfounded and they're like WTF. And I was like, this is clear cut manipulation. This is manipulele. Okay. (laughs) This is manipulation. You let this man accept the job across the waters and then suddenly tell him that you love him. What are you expecting? In later episodes, we do find out that it was kind of a manipulative move to get him to not go. But watch the episodes for yourself, okay? The wedding is about to start, so they can't really get into the details of her saying, I love you. And it's time for them to go into the chapel. The wedding party starts to enter the chapel. Regine ends up getting a date with Desmond Howard, who apparently is a famous athlete. I don't know him. And the wedding gets started. Overton's parents finally arrive. They <laughs> Overton's mom is played by Gladys Knight. Overton's dad is played by Antonio Vargas. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I think I'm going to get you, sucker, is the movie that I'm thinking of. 
But Kyle and Khadijah during the ceremony sing an original song. I believe it's called With This Ring. It's a very sweet song. With this ring, I submit to you. It's very sweet. However, they have decent singing voices. Something about TC's singing voice is just very 90s. I feel like if he was singing like that today, we wouldn't accept it. <laughs> Our standards for who singers are these days are so freaking high. It's kind of irresponsible. <laughs> And Queen Latifah has, of course, a decent singing voice, but none of them are, you know, Aretha's or Whitney's or Mariah's, but it is a good song. It is very sweet. It has a very beautiful sentiment. And so during the song, there's other stuff happening, namely Kyle kind of singing to an enamored Max and, you know, other little things happening in the crowd, like Regine's mother being really upset and crying and happy and the happy couple kiss when it's time to kiss and the episode ends with no little end scene but you know now Overton and Sinclair are married and you know this is a major evolution of like a really long storyline that has been since the beginning of the series so I picked this episode because it helps to put a little bow on some of those storylines showing the evolution of two major romantic relationships within the show and is particularly memorable to me, like especially Khadijah and Kyle singing that song during the wedding. I wish I had more time to share some of my favorite episodes with you, but I really can't. Like I really like the episode with Eartha Kitt delivering babers. <laughs> I like the episode with Kalina. I said her name. Is it Karen or Kalina White? When Max finds out that her former college roommate is a lesbian or when Max's old college boyfriend comes back in town and they throw a dinner party for him or what they do a Thanksgiving episode or when they go to Canada for Christmas one year. There's just so many really good episodes that I really, really enjoy. And unfortunately, I only had to pick my top two. So I'm trying to be better about time management on <laughs> on my podcast podcast if you all haven't been able to tell. Okay. But at the end of every review, we ask if the show or movie is worth a rewatch and if it holds up today. This is a big fat yes for both of these questions for me. I've talked at length about what the show means to me, but I want to kind of for a little bit say that it's really meaningful to the Black community as a whole. Depictions of educated, professional, post-collegiate Black young adults with meaningful friendships navigating life were few and far between. Like the later years of Moesha might apply. We have Girlfriends, we have Martin, we have Insecure. And to me, there are only a few other ones that really depict this kind of version of what it means to be Black in America and just living your life and having it not be something where you are doing something illegal or <laughs> having it just be we're existing. We're not struggling. We're not criminals. We are just existing in the world and navigating life. And that is the kind of stuff that I really like to see. I want to give a special shout out to First Wives Club. And I'm sure again that there are more shows like this, but they aren't very frequent. Living single is hilarious. It addresses important issues while maintaining the character's flaws and integrity in a very real way. Each character has their own viewpoint and opinion. None of them are a monolith. I'm thinking particularly Sinclair. <laughs> Her way of being Black 
in this show is so different from, I think, what anyone outside of the Black community would picture for who we are as people and that we're not monolithic. So I really love that they kind of show and express that being Black can mean different things to different people. Each character experiences highs and lows and disagreements and moments of excitement and accomplishment. This show is almost perfect. The area where I think that this show kind of lacks is the hyper-focus on romantic relationships. I understand the show is called Living Single, but basically each and every character comes across as being obsessed with being in a relationship, committed or otherwise. Their storylines don't really get resolved until each of them is in a relationship where they basically get what they want. Besides that, I feel like the show is mostly like really good and still holds up today. I also really didn't like the way that they kind of that Max kind of changes in the way that they resolve her character arc. But besides all that, the show lives in my mind rent-free and I routinely rewatch it to laugh and kind of remember the golden age that is the 90s. I want to briefly point out that this show was riddled with politics in the background, okay? Friends was biting their style. Fox was using them to build their platform. And this show had some ish going on in the background that I don't really want to get into. It'll just mar everything for me, okay? So overall, I love this show. I see myself in the characters and I can aspire to be like them. So what is not to love, okay? Now, Rock Tomatoes does not have a rating for the entirety of Living Single. So this time we're going to use the rating for IMDb, which is a 7.6 out of 10. I feel like this is a pretty, even though it's like 76% for me, that's low. Okay. But it's not surprising. This show is for the people. Okay. Like black people. And I don't know how many of the right people from the intended target audience actually rated this show. And again, that's why I started my own podcast because there are just some things that only the intended audience can really understand. And as a member of the kind of intended audience, despite the fact that I was between three and eight years old when the show came out, I would give it a 95% or a 9.5 out of 10. It's a part of the black zeitgeist. It's a treasure and I will love it forever. Okay. Well, that is all home slices. Thank you so much for listening to my review of the hit show, Living Single. Did you rewatch the show recently? Does it still hold up for you? Share your thoughts with us on social media, on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We want to hear from you. Join us next week when I review the 1999 film Iron Giant with a super special guest. You don't want to miss it. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Home slices.